nowadays. But what do you think are other key people driving the new space or next space <laughs> ecosystem? If you allow me, I would I would rather reformulate it. I will tell you who are not the key people. <laughs> okay, okay, go for it. <laughs> now it's getting interesting here. So the biggest problem in the space industry is that it's... Hello and welcome to the New Space Vision podcast sponsored by LiveEO, where we discuss new space technology, finance and innovation with executives, founders and more exciting people from the startup and new space ecosystem. I'm Sam Shivara. And I'm Danny Seidel. And together we are the founders of the Earth Observation Company LiveEO and New Space Vision. Today we are very excited to welcome Walter Ballheimer, co-founder and CEO of Reflex Aerospace. So first of all, thanks so much uh, for, for joining us and uh, welcome yeah. to the show. Thanks for having me. So the story of um, Walter and, and us as founders uh, goes um, back quite a bit. I think that the first touch point with German orbital systems the company used started prior to um, um, your current one uh, was back in 2015 or 16 or so at a, at a rooftop event at the Technical University of Berlin, which was really cool. And um, that was one of the few new space companies which was already um, around back then. You, uh, Walter, you are not only uh, a key player in the new space ecosystem, but you, as just mentioned, have already started in numerous companies in Germany and have made an imprint really on that ecosystem in Germany and in Europe. So we're super happy to have you. Um, but as mentioned, so um, you graduated in 2011 in aerospace. Back then, new space wasn't really a thing, right? Maybe the world was uh, around, but there weren't really a lot of companies. Why didn't you join ESA or the German Aerospace Center or Airbus? Yeah, well, it, to be honest, it was a little bit more luck than than, than really a plan back in the days. And um, as you say, there were no, no space startups in Germany. And um, I was not, like, not very informed about what was happening in the other parts of the world. So I, back in the days, I was not really like following all this like space news and so on. And, And there was not much also in the US. A couple of things were happening, certainly, right? Also SpaceX was in the beginnings and so on. But I guess the international coverage of all this uh, was not that intense as it is right nowadays. So I did consider to join the ESA actually, and I also thought about the other options, but my primary like thought was like to go to the ESA. And there was this like uh, young graduate trainee program, yeah. which they advertised in, at, at the university. And um, I applied and um, I was invited to a job interview somewhere in, 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 in a small village in, in the Netherlands. <laughs> so I went there and um, I had this job interview and there were like, like five people sitting in front of me and asking me like stupid brain teaser questions. <laughs> and like, so like, what, how do, would you like assess the, the scale of this model car? Like put the model car in front of me, right? And I, I had no idea what they wanted. It was like a... So it was a totally weird experience. And um, I had also like an offer from the university to stay there for a doctor see this. And uh, this like brain teaser moment uh, told me, no, I don't want to work for the ESA. I, I, want, I, I will stay at the university and like have a couple of years more yeah. in Berlin, enjoy Berlin. And then eventually um, while being at the university, my doctor thesis was delayed all the times, right? They, they told me first, like I can write it about uh, one project, right? Which 
would take three years approximately from 2011 to 2014. And then my second year there in 2012, they told me, okay, man, this is such a risky project. To de-risk it, we need to do another project before it. Yeah, right? So in the end, actually, the satellite, I was supposed to write my doctor thesis about flu in 2019. Ah, okay. So, and Finally. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I was fed up way earlier yeah. <laughs> and left the academia forever, right? And started German orbital systems then uh, in, in, in 2014. So this was kind of the, the, the story behind that. It's, it's very interesting because I think even today when you tell people in 2023, hey, I'm going to start a satellite company, they would maybe look skeptical, but um, like in the industry, it would be like normal thing, just another constellation. 2014, I mean, how did people react back then? There, there, there was nothing like that, yes. So there was maybe one company here in, 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 in Berlin back in the days, which was bootstrapped, uh, Berlin Space Technologies. And... Uh, there were the big companies around and a couple of uh, startups and uh, in, in other like uh, parallel uh, areas, right? Mostly IT and so on. So um, for me, it was like, for, for me, it was like, I wanted to try, see how it goes. And if it wouldn't go well, eventually I, I would, I would better have the time to join Airbus or whatever. So it, yeah, I, I was not really talking to many people about that or like uh, trying to to get a second thought on that from a second view <laughs> from somebody. I you just, just wanted it. I just started it, right? it and it somehow worked out more or less yeah. decent way in a more or less decent way. So the so I think that, um, yeah, let's try it out. And if it fails, we can still do something else. I think there was also the same kind of like motivation Danny and I had. Um, at the very beginning, because we didn't knew what we could what we could accomplish with uh, with Earth observation at the very beginning, but exactly. So, so you left academia to start your own company. Maybe could you walk us a little bit through the time between that and now? Exactly what you've done since since yeah. Since so then. German Orbital Systems. So there were two companies. Uh, one German Orbital Systems, a satellite, small satellite manufacturer, mainly CubeSats, right? Three unit CubeSats like the one uh, Planet uses uh, or used. Right, um, and um, then there was a second company back in the days called ECM Space Technologies, which was 100% owned by my German Orbital Systems co-founder, um, which then developed into ExoLaunch, what is now ExoLaunch, a launch service service provider. So in both companies, I had kind of functions. German Orbital Systems I partially owned, and uh, in ExoLaunch I was a CTO, uh, and. Um, both companies were bootstrapped, right? So um, I think this is a fundamental unfair advantage I have uh, over other entrepreneurs in my age who never worked in a bootstrapped company, right? Yeah. So if you, like, if you, it's your first company, you get a, like what you think is a shitload of money, right? And you have no idea how to, how to handle this. This leads to mistakes, which I, after the experiences I've, I've, I've had, do not do anymore. Like I know the value of money. Yeah. Right? I know what, what that means. And I know to do more with less, how to do more with less. Right. And I learned to improvise like in very, very like, uh, restricted boundary conditions, which we had there. Like you just imagine we started from a first a uh, tiny contract which was had a volume of like 80,000 or maybe 85,000 euro, right? With, with two people part-time at the university and without any support. And 
actually we never managed to raise venture capital in these companies right because mm. uh, for different uh, uh, reasons right and you also learn to appreciate certain certain profiles among your employees more than than others like this so-called t-shaped profile like yeah. people who can do everything a little bit and then a certain thing very well this is what you want to have right other than like hi get this like uh, i don't know superstar aocs engineer who can just do aocs right that's problem in startups yeah and uh, like we don't want to talk about uh, your end at jonah to systems but more about the start of reflex because yeah. uh, i mean if you look uh, at, at the website or was on linkedin it's a very interesting lineup of german new space personalities and uh, like we were asking ourselves how did you meet these guys and who was the initiator and how did all, all that happen Yeah, it's a long story, right? So there are two parts to it, right? There are the coincidences and the thinking process which happened in my head like back in the day. So first, the thinking process. I I started to understand that there is no future for CubeSat manufacturers in okay. Germany, right? Um, this has many reasons. First, uh, launch is getting so cheap that uh, reducing the size of the satellite and reducing the mass makes no sense anymore. And um, even it's it's even more expensive partially because like yeah. putting stuff in a client, uh, in a smaller format is, uh, is is needs more engineering hours, right? Today, one kg to space costs like five thousand yeah. dollars, right? So, but saving one kilogram of mass needs uh, a lot of engineering hours. Yeah, and uh, so so I, I understood that, and um, there was no. Um, No possibility actually to pivot German orbital systems in this direction because it would have would have required uh, other personnel, um, higher investments, and so on. The company simply was not in, in in the shape to do that, right? At the same time, there was a huge opportunity on the market. There still is, right? So classic space, I think, is not positioned um, yeah. to to serve this uh, this segment. Um, they are too slow, right? They are too expensive. In Germany, there is also no new space in this uh, in in this segment and then there was the the the, the coincidence it was i call it my personal spacex moment actually <laughs> and it actually was a spacex moment because i went to los angeles and i visited spacex okay it was in um, as a customer back then as as a, as a cto of exolaunch for the preparation of uh, a launch campaign yeah we had like um we had uh, tests with uh, the launch hardware um you need to 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 match the rocket with the launch hardware so I went there and uh, I visited their um, Hawthorne uh, factory, and it was an eye-opening moment for me. Right, I, I understood uh, like how small I was thinking <laughs> the whole time. Right, so it was like it, it is huge. I was like I was completely overwhelmed. Right, these guys are building like a rocket engine every day, and then uh, I, I saw how they are building a. a, a Uh, a rocket fairing, right? It's uh, the tip of the rocket, which is made of carbon fiber, which typically takes weeks. Like, and in Europe, there is only Ruak out of Switzerland uh, who do this. Yeah. And uh, I went to SpaceX, and when I like my 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 test started on Saturday, and on Sunday I was like finishing the tests, and I saw on Saturday how they start building this thing, like on a huge negative form, and on Sunday it was already. They, they already took it off, right? Crazy. It was already done. Yeah, right. And I, I saw this. I saw Crazy like, also that they were working on Saturday and Sunday. You wouldn't yes, see yes, that in Europe as well. This, they were all 
all the time, all the time. Like, and there is a, like a building where they work on the dragon capsule, and uh, their people just work always, always, like nights, days, Sundays, because dragon is always on the critical path. That's what yeah. they told me, right? If you are on the critical path, you have no weekend. Yeah, right. And this whole mentality, this whole story, like uh, this, 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 this has like. I saw that we can do more here, right? And coincidentally, at the same trip, I met met Bulent, right? So mm-hmm. same trip, uh, we had a mutual uh, mutual uh, friend, and he said, "Okay, if you are in Los Angeles, why don't you meet Bulent Altan, who yeah. is like a, maybe we talk about him later, but yeah. he was one of the first engineers of SpaceX and a very uh, important uh, person for for my personal development, definitely." And um, this is where we decided. Where we decided actually um, that I will start something new, right? And I decided to leave GUS and 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 X-Launch during that trip. When was that? Just like yeah, this was in the end of 2020. Okay, and not I, that long I ago. Took some, in, the, took, in the 20s already. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So it took a while. Then the the, the period of like transferring and so on, and it was like uh, I ultimately I had to like to 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 do. To take the leap of faith and right to go into nowhere without having like the second company uh, or Reflex started, but to leave GUS and uh, this was kind of a little bit challenging also for me, for my family, and for like for 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 uh, to explain to my wife that I'm leaving a quasi place where I'm like and so on. But it, it was the best decision I've done business wise so far. So we know uh, Bülent Altan is there, also Christian Williges, who was uh, one of the founders of uh, Concelaris in the team. Any Anyone else uh, you want to mention? Oh, you were uh, super m- impressed by. M- m- meanwhile, we have uh, almost 50 people um, and uh, they are all like, they all have like some kind of heritage, right? Or most of them, right? We have people from OHB, we have people from Airbus as well, right? Who all were fed up working there because uh, things are, uh, are not and uh, are not being done in the way they they, they 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 would like to see it, right? We have a lot of people from new space companies like um, ISIA, OneWeb, Cellogic, Cellogic, right? yeah. Felix is a very important person. Felix, VP of Engineering, joined recently, and he was also the VP of uh, Cellogic. Uh, what was his title? He was Cellogic. He was director of engineering at Cellogic, and prior to that, he was head of engineering at Mineric. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So, and then before that, Fraunhofer and so on. So, also quite a quite a quite a track record. He joined in in the beginning of the year and um, is leading our engineering teams now. Uh, so, yeah, I guess the Reflex has managed to 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 be a, an attractive company for for people like that, right? So, we also do not need to rely on head, headhunters anymore, which is also nice. Yeah. Side effect of uh, being no. So, um, so you have more than thirty mission heritage in the in the team, right? More than forty, actually. More than forty. And what are all these people building? Tell us a little bit about Reflex. Yeah. So, first, uh, Reflex is a, not just a satellite manufacturer like everybody else on the market. It's a pure satellite platform manufacturer. We don't do anything else. Yeah. Right. So, if you like look around. Uh, and you see a lot of companies which are doing operations and I don't know, like payloads and so on. We don't do that. Like I deeply believe that um, that um, we should focus on, on 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 one thing and do it really well. Yeah. Okay. And our platforms are 
um, in the segment of like 250 to 500 kg, uh, which is called, I guess, mini satellites or small satellites. Uh, and uh, they are more high performant than, than the rest on the market, which means more processing power, more power for the payload, uh, better uh, accuracy of attitude control and so on. And this is one of the USBs we can deliver them faster than, 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 than the other guys. Yeah. Because if you if you look on this segment, you just have like a handful of manufacturers, Airbus, OHB, Lockheed, Boeing, maybe like a couple of others. And typically time is like three to four years. So our ambition is actually to deliver within 10 months, right? And also to have a very small limited team of people which needs to be involved in a project like that to, to, to make it like reality, right? And that has effects on costs, obviously, which we can partially also forward to our customers. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, let's uh, make up a scenario, right? For example, uh, LiveView wants to build an Earth observation satellite. Uh, we're not planning to do this uh, so far, but uh, how would that look like? Um, like, would we just go to you and you um, tell us, ah, you need, um, I don't know, like five satellites and we do everything for you? Um, so is it like satellite as a service or do you say, no, no, mm. we just build a platform and the rest has to come mm. from you? I I believe that the magic word is integrations, right? It's like like in the in the in the internet uh, business world, right? Integrate with as many things as you can. Yeah. Integrate with Slack. Integrate with I don't know Personio. Integrate with whatever you want, right? So for satellite platforms, I think this is this is what is important. Nobody wants to go to a satellite manufacturer and to have to buy the operation services as well as a mandatory part of his like uh, offering, right? But if you go to a satellite manufacturer like us, we will tell you, okay, here's our platform. It's compatible with Telespazio. It's compatible with CGI. It's compatible with this different types of ground station networks. It can be integrated with an Earth observation payload or with a SAR payload. And so on. these are the manufacturers we already worked with and so on. Select what you want, select the best of the breed right in in every service you want right and we will build something which is compatible with that but you would build it uh, end to end um like or you would integrate the payload from another commercial off the shelf vendor right typically we would like on the payload side hmm. the payload side we would integrate something from a, a commercial off the shelf builder or we would recommend a partner who could build something to your specification right we are not into payloads Okay, so meaning that, that we ideally would partner up or contract with an engineering firm which would be specialized and they would come to you. Yeah, or well, you come to us example. and we say, okay, you want a like, hyperspectral imaging satellite or multispectral imaging yeah. satellite with this and that resolution. We tell you from our experience that there is company, whatever, which already worked with us and okay. which could do what you want yeah. uh, at favorable terms. Yeah. So and um, I mean satellite as a service is a is a big trend we we see right now. So um, like again the question: Would you call uh, call yourself as a, a satellite as a service company, or would you differentiate there compared to companies, I don't know, like Spire, Loft Orbital, or others? I, I I would say we are not doing satellite as a service. I would I would say we are offering these integrations, and the customer ultimately decides what he wants to have from us, right? So we could. Uh, we could do everything, right? We could do everything, but I, I, I do not think that the customers really want this. Yeah, 
maybe for for the listeners uh, i think it would be very helpful to to um describe where you um set the boundary to to satellite as a service i think the i like maybe if we if we compare it with um with some other field oh well the the boundary is is easy if you have uh if you don't need to take care about all the technology if there is an abstraction layer between you and your application you just get the data from mm. somewhere which uh, is exactly what like um you want or close to close to your specifications as a satellite as a service yeah right um but if you look under the hood it consists of many many different elements right so there is a distribution of the data go going like going from the data back to the to the, like going backwards so there is a distribution of the data there is, there is a downlink of the data somehow from the satellite platform right to 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 ground there is the satellite platform itself there is a payload which ultimately like records this data somehow Then there is a launch vehicle which has brought the satellite yeah, platforms and many, many more things. So a satellite as a service company would offer all that and then put some kind of fancy financing scheme on top, right? Saying that you only pay as much as you really use your data or whatever, yeah. and then you have this full. I don't think this is really what 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 serious customers want, right? I see so many customers who, for example, want to exactly control where the data is downlinked. How it's distributed, right? Yeah. Who can, like, even even stuff like who can physically enter the room where the servers are? Yeah, right. Stuff like that. So why should I? Why should I offer this whole story? So my philosophy is, I, I offer a satellite platform where they can integrate with whomever they want, however they want. AWS, go for it. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and that that totally totally makes sense. But it's very interesting to to hear this clear um, uh, definition from you. Because there is a Skywatch, which helps you with the data infrastructure, right? AWS ground stations, and at the end, this is also solved uh, by the industry, right? And it exactly. just shows how easy it's uh, getting to to launch the satellites. And I think the key differentiator, how I understood it right now, is uh, also in the name Reflex, right? Like reactive uh, aerospace. That's what you typically exactly. say, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we're gonna have a podcast with one of the Muon um, uh, founders as well in a couple of weeks. So we're gonna, I think, hear uh, maybe maybe a different perspective here as well. Super looking, super much looking forward to that one. But you already referred to customers and potential customers of Reflex. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your perfect customer profile, right? Who are maybe your customers already today? Who potentially gonna be your customers tomorrow? There are two types. Um, mainly, like Reflex is a is a dual use satellite manufacturer. I, I would explain that a little bit more. So, like, actually, satellite technology is always dual use, yeah. right? So you can you can use it for defense purposes, right? Even if you like, if you sell data, you never know what this data is used for. It can be used for reconnaissance, and then it's uh, military, or it can be used to I don't know to find a place to build a hotel, right? And it's civil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the satellite which acquires this data by definition is dual use, but there are some customers which are a little bit more like sensitive about this definition and they want the company to fulfill certain criteria, right? To have certain security clearances, to have specially trained personnel and so on. And for us, it's, um, it's clear that If you don't put that into the DNA of your company from the very beginning, you will most likely not be able to superimpose that on an existing yeah, company. True. I have had this problem with German orbital systems before. Yeah. So it was important for us to be like dual use ready. And um, 
this has led also to a certain type of customer, which we which we have uh, right now for the first mission, and also like a lot of interest for subsequent missions. Um, so this is one pillar, let's say. On the commercial side, on the commercial side, I think the the perfect customer, if I would like, uh, wish. Uh, something for Christmas. The perfect customer is a young company which considers to build a constellation but does not really know how to do it or what they what they need, right? And we would then um, accompany uh, these guys from the beginning, from ideation, right, to the to the realization of the first proof of concept. We would do that because we can fast and reliable, right? So because runway is everything, yeah. right? Raising money is is everything for these companies, and showing that the business works is as fast as possible is important. And um, I believe that this is where we really can um, can 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 present our USPs in the most valuable way for these companies. And subsequently, we would then, as the company which developed the first satellite, serialize the production and do the 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 constellation production subsequently. I. Don't think that we are an ideal match for mega constellation customers. Yeah. But I also would suppose that there are no mega constellation customers for satellite manufacturers. Because they would build because it. Because they would build it. Yeah. yeah this is yeah. why I don't understand why certain companies in Belgium build like production facilities for five hundred or six hundred satellites a year. It yeah. makes no sense. I'm also there is asking, no customer for that. Yeah, I'm also asking myself because you will have this very specific. Uh, I mean, let's take Starlink, right? You yeah, have this you very will have specific one design. Type of bus. Yeah. And maybe also the assembly line for thousands of these will be different than if you have a flexible one. It won't, won't be that exactly. efficient, right? And so. if you have a flexible one, you cannot, by definition, you cannot do the quantities, right? So and and also there is there is only like there is only for 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 this this number of satellites of this size, right? Right yeah. now, I guess. There is maybe a place in, in in telecommunications, right? And there again, you have different types of satellites, different manufacturing. That you can just do two or three of them yourself. Yeah. The first two will fail, and then you crank them out, right? So the ideal customer would be Earth observation. a startup which would produce exactly a unique Earth observation sensor or some kind of like unique communication device which maybe doesn't require a full network and uh, potentially is working in a dual yeah, use so this, context this, there, it's a small to medium sized constellation right yeah. this is how I would maybe put it uh, say 20 to 50 satellites then there are two ways you 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 need these numbers of satellites in earth observation right um, if you have like um, sophisticated sensors you would go for more expensive satellite designs and as a consequence potentially Uh, a smaller satellite number. You would operate this constellation in a different way than Planet, for example, does, mm -hmm. right? And the other uh, possibility are like communication constellations in medium Earth orbit. There yeah. as well, because of the satellite altitude, you just need like 30 to 50, yeah, right, to 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 have coverage. So these are the the, the two main fields, I would say. <laughs> I would never say no to a mega constellation. Yeah. So you said um, time is of essence, not only for commercial companies which have to manage uh, runway, but also exactly for responsive space, right? In developing something which is up to uh, deal with the current geopolitical environment and whatnot. So what does it take to produce a high-speed uh, multi-use satellite platform and then the satellites on top of that in such a short time frame? So you mentioned 10 months, right? 
Yeah. So it definitely takes the right team. Yeah. So our vision in the end is that 10 people can build the first unique unit of a series of units in 10 months. Right. So yeah. that's, that's where we want to get to, but to be completely honest, it's still a long way. Right. So I believe the first satellite, which we, we are building right now by the moment where we, we, we at the moment where we launch it, uh, we'll have taken like around 18 to like to, to 20 months in total. So it's a lot of room for improvement and definitely much more than 10 people to develop. Right. So, um, but I think most of the elements which which make up the the secret sauce, right, are, are already ava available and being used in the other industries. Our biggest advantage is that we are starting from scratch, mm. right, on a on a on a, on a playing field, yeah. and we can uh, use this new technology uh, and combine it to something completely completely new, like in terms of efficiency, in terms of cost of cost efficiency and time efficiency, right. And um, the existing uh, new space and classic space companies are not there. They yeah. don't have this chance anymore. The classic space companies, for example, are, there is even a, 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 a term, it's like like hindered or caught by heritage, right? So they, yeah. Yeah. they have the heritage, they cannot touch it. They have, <laughs> have always flown the system as it is. They will not change it. Yeah, it, it's right? the same in the automotive industry. Yes. They have a similar word. Uh. So there is innovation it has a hard standard, right? Yeah. So, and um, so we like with, with our employees, with the employees, with the experience from new space and classic space, which you know how complicated it was, why, why one way or another are building something new and use, using this new elements, right? I give you some examples, right? So first one is software defined electronics. So yeah. almost everything in our satellite is software defined. It's based on FPGAs, which mean we can change the 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 type of microcontroller or mi microprocessor which is being used inside this chip, yeah. like almost on the fly, right? We can mm -hmm. do it like, for example, if we have a, a processing unit, payload processing unit, which uses like a, an ARM chip, yeah. right? Inside the FPGA, we can like simulate another chip, but simply telling it to do so, yeah, right? And we don't need to change change hardware elements for that. This enables us to do an important thing. We ch we shift the complexity from hardware to software. Yeah. Right. And I believe in the end, some when ultimately, Reflex will be much more a software development company than a hardware development company because the hardware will be very flexible and software defined and will be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. Like we'll be enveloping all the all the required functions. Right. This is one thing. Then. On the process side of things, we use model-based systems engineering from the beginning. So there's one database, one single source of truth where all the people work on, like which is connected to all the different software uh, environments, right? Yeah. From from development of uh, flight software to uh, CAD and, and 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 mechanical, right? Everything is working with the same single source of truth on, in this model-based systems uh, engineering approach. Then another example, generative design, right? Generative design is something we uh, try to use now. It's still also a long way to go. But the idea actually is that algorithms, instead of people, design structural parts, right? That's exciting. Huh? Uh, and uh, this is enabled actually by, by, by a couple of technologies which are now like commercially available and were not commercially available like 10 years ago. So nobody is doing that. 
Right. Uh, I've I've seen a company PhD at my time in BMW. Can't talk so much about this, I think, but uh, I think in engineering that's super exciting, especially when it's also about uh, like using the volume and the satellite in, a, in an efficient way. But I mean, on the electronics side. So, when um, do you use any specific new software which was not there before? Anything you want to mention or? Um, well, I, I, I guess we are we are using available uh, software. Um, we used some tools for the generative design, which are available since a couple of years. Uh, but we are also like uh, willing to fill the gaps between the software with something developed in house, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. in the end, you need. Uh, this is also like the SpaceX story, which I have been told uh, by by, by Bülentek in the days. He said. Um, they tried to develop this antenna, the the, the the satellite antenna at SpaceX for for Starlink, so the one which is in orbit, and it is an extremely complicated piece of hardware, like with many 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 layers on the PCB. So they needed a, a software tool which is capable of routing, like I don't know, say 24 layers. Yeah, and there was simply no software tool on the market. So what they did, they simply wrote their own, right? Instead of what a German company would do, like uh, trying to find a partner, then subcontracting, then waiting for requirements, years, engineering, requirements, engineering, waterfall, like yes. So, and this is how we also try to to fill the gaps right, with with old tools. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, you didn't mention uh, old space. You say classic space and new space. Yeah, that's the politically correct yeah. way yeah, to exactly. do it. <laughs> so there was uh, classic space, then there was new space. Um, I mean, in the early days, you mentioned a lot was about CubeSats and Earth observation. Yeah. Now there is next space as a registered trademark from Reflex. Yes. Right? Is this the brand you want to bring forward? Next yeah, we like. With, I I like the wording kind of right. So because it, yeah. it, it, it's 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 like kind of there is there is no classic space in new space that's all space right that's all that's all space and um i believe that the um most successful companies in the end will combine the best of both worlds right so if you if you look on a typical new space company uh like um, in in the upstream right so you're also a new space company yeah. kind of right but in the in in the upstream these are people who do not really focus on quality, for example, right? They yeah. do not really focus on on uh, um, product assurance, right? On, on on things which are, if you really want to build an industrial product in the end, are also important. I totally agree that it's maybe a little bit over, uh, a little bit too much to do with all these requirement, the requirement engineering yeah. mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Okay, but but the the, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Um, the failure rates of CubeSats, right, are around 40%, oh. right? So um, at least maybe not the planet ones, right, but uh, the new ones. You cannot afford to have a failure rate like that with satellites we build, right? Yeah. So that's that's the interesting thing about next space. So 100 kilogram, 500 kilogram satellites. Any um, most recent successes uh, you want to mention? Yeah, well, I guess the biggest success for us is that we 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 were able to win our first uh, first customer nice. uh, in 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 this year, um, and um, I cannot talk too much about the about the mission. There's but there is a like um, a, a press release online. Uh, so the customer is MBS. It's a um, German um, teleport operator, and um, they want uh, to launch a. Um, Earth observation payload to space, and uh, have trusted us to do that on our first mission. And I guess this uh, really sets us apart from a lot of other companies which yeah. 
which on the first mission typically fly an, an empty satellite, yeah. right? Uh, because nobody trusts that they will be capable of oh, building geez. something working, right? Yeah. So um, this this was important for us, but um, also other stuff. We we have won a couple of um, yeah. We have won this junior uh, study for the European Commission back in the days. Yeah. Uh, this is already in the in two thousand and twenty two, I believe. Uh, where we did the preparation study for this iris squared. Um, yep, yeah. and, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> uh, but it, it's definitely it a weird thing. It, it gave us a, a lot of public exposure, right? Yeah. And this public exposure has led to other good things, right? And yeah. I believe this year you will also hear other good news. Nice. From Reflex. Okay, we're waiting for uh, the good news prior to Christmas. So we're recording this podcast in mid of November. Uh, but you have announced that next year, I think you're going to launch your first satellite, yes. right? So maybe tell us a little bit about your upcoming launch. Yeah, so the launch will be on, on SpaceX. Obviously, yeah. there is no other, uh, there is no possibility to launch uh, satellites from Europe right now <laughs> other than with SpaceX. Uh, so. Yeah, the, this will be the satellite for MBS, 150, no, 120 kg in total uh, with a remote sensing uh, payload. And um, we have um, we are now actually entering the phase where, where, where wheat will be separated from chaff, actually, right? So uh, it's only 10 months to go, a little bit more than 10 months until the delivery of this satellite. And we are starting to assemble it. And um, my experience and the experience of my colleagues shows that a lot of problems, a lot of challenges uh, will come up in the coming months. And some of them are already coming up. You have a lot of some problems with the supply chain, right? Supply chain issues. By the way, this is if, if somebody asks me who is about to start a space company or a satellite company, I would say verticalize everything you can. Don't be, uh, don't be dependent on, on, this, on the yeah. supply chain. That's a pain in the ass. It's even a problem for launchers these days, yeah, right? It's, we, it's, it's catastrophic. Yeah. And I, I, I really don't understand how this is possible because people are promising you lead times and then simply like a month in advance say, okay, oh, sorry, half a year of delay. Yeah. Right. So what do we do that? Yeah, it's crazy. But maybe it's due to the fact that you don't buy that frequently from your previous uh, suppliers or in the past you haven't bought multiple times. Right, so you could like lose your reputation because you maybe sell once to that one customer, yes. right? And now you and I really have to build up a reputation of delivering on time and yeah, on budget. Yeah, so it, it's catastrophic, right? So and, yeah. and we will have to solve all these challenges, and then we will have the launch. And um, the, the most important thing is that we we um, uh, can commission the satellite and in in space as planned. I'm very positive because the team is experienced. Yeah, we are all doing that not for the first time, and. Uh, once we have heritage, um, things will accelerate. Things will accelerate even more. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just one thing, because you've mentioned it previously and you also mentioned like experience from the past. Um, and if you listen to the podcast, uh, in one of the other podcasts uh, you recorded that you said uh, the good thing about your experience in other space companies is that you are not making the same ma same mistakes you made back then. Maybe could, uh, could you give us one or two examples of mistakes are which you are not making now at excellent uh, at at um, reflex mm. yeah there was there were so many i don't uh, I, don't, I don't i don't even know uh, where to start there are a lot of uh, a lot of 
things are on the interpersonal hiring hiring level and selection of uh, of, of of employees and uh, there were some um, really good um, uh, choices I've, I've I've done at GUS um, and Exalange. Some of the people are at Reflex right now, but there were also bad choices and also toxic ones. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, how to how to see that and how to behave in these situations is important. Also, I guess uh, one thing which, like for me personally, was um, super important. Um, I kind of always stretched um, GOS, uh, and this was prior to the Corona crisis. And um, during the crisis, I had to um, I had to um, let go a lot of employees, right? Fifteen yeah. or twenty employees, which was um, more than half of the company back in the days. And some of them were like really just freshly hired, right? And also like I promised them a new career and like uh, a bright future and so on. Some of them came from other countries, like out of out of like um, uh, good jobs, right? And this was in the middle of the Corona crisis to to let these people go right out into nowhere, and and this was like a big the biggest mistake I did. So I. I'm, I try not to overstretch, right? I try to have um, a, a better, more secure planning. Right? You know, like in, in the startup environments, like what is secure planning, right? Yeah. But I try to have more months of runway than, <laughs> than I used to have earlier. Right? Yeah. And uh, yes, things like that. And technology-wise, I learned not to micromanage. This is important because I also like, I'm a very technology savvy guy right I, I love technology I, yeah I have been doing a lot of electronics development and programming myself in my life but I guess meanwhile the time has come where I'm simply not qualified enough to tell my employees <laughs> what to do so I just trust them accepting that is a big uh, is the most most one of the most important things as a founder I think because Uh, your solution doesn't need to be the best, right? You think it works, uh, that's the best, but you just need to trust the solutions of others. Yeah. So you mentioned um, that you want to have a bit more runway uh, and Reflex is not bootstrapped, right? So I think the funding history is better, uh, or is different, sorry. And um, yeah, how are you funded right now? Um, can you tell us a bit more more detail on that? Yeah, so um, we are we are completely venture funded, right? So there was a first, like a first, Pre-seed round with uh, Alpine Space Ventures, um, roughly 1.5 million, which uh, which we got in the very beginning, in, in beginning of 21. Then we did a, a, a seed round, um, of roughly 10 million uh, later, and um, are currently preparing for uh, for the Series A. Uh, in between, we were able to secure the first customer, and most likely we will sign a second one this year. Which uh, would give us enough, like uh, um, proven traction, right? To I believe quite easily raise the Series A, yeah, and 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 the next year. This is the, the setup. We would not need it necessarily because the and the the two uh, customers um, are already uh, generating positive uh, cash flow. Nice. And uh, but we want to to scale. We want to build a bigger uh, facility uh, than the one we are just doing in, in in Munich right now. And we want to serve other markets. We will eventually also have to open up something in the U.S. Yeah. 
right? And uh, these are all things we would um, tackle in, in Series A. Nice. And uh, now, uh, lean back, Walter. I think it's your, like the favorite topic you want to talk about. We talked about this in Paris with a few beers. So <laughs> let's talk about the governmental support because, um, you know, in international competition, I, I think Bullen Altan with SpaceX, he can tell you a lot about how the governmental money actually backed them in the early days. How much governmental support did you get in your, in your recent uh, companies, German Optic Systems and Reflex? Well, you know the answer. Uh, the answer is none, nicht, no, nothing, nada, nada. <laughs> um, and um, that's a pity, right? On the one hand, on the one hand, like I see, like what is governmental support, right? So we the in in the space industry in Germany there are only like maybe two ways: it's DLR grants and there are like grants from the European Space Agency. Yeah. Right. These are the two ways they uh, the government can somehow support you, right? Yeah. With the ESA grants, there is a big problem. Um, they produce zombie companies, mm, right? So yeah. there are a lot of companies who make their living out of applying for ESA grants and like um, trying to adjust their roadmap if they have a roadmap in a way that these things are kind of fitting and end up with products who nobody wants to buy, yeah, right? And are completely dependent, hire the wrong people, and so on. I know. Like in in Berlin, there are several companies on the supplier level, uh, which 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 are zombie companies, in in my opinion. Same in downstream, by the way. Yeah, and then uh, there's a DLR grants. Uh, from from my perspective, even if it would be easy to get them, uh, are are made in a way that they are like compatible with classic space timelines. Mm. Was unfortunately, which unfortunately is not compatible with new space lifetimes of companies, right? Yeah. So, uh, so it simply doesn't fit, right? I tried to apply many times for for certain DLR things. Mostly, we we uh, suggested things we wanted to do ourselves. Yeah, and um, it never ended up in a in a successful funding. Mm. Uh, mostly because, um, like that, even if you find one or two supporters uh, in, in the agency. In the end, the people, the, the bureaucracy uh, simply is is incompatible with this whole story. And so to finish the thought, I, I now I, I don't think both of these, I think both of these ways are wrong to support new space companies, right? This anchor customer approach is the way to go, right? Uh, the, the approach uh, which uh, the US has taken uh, and uh, which actually formed SpaceX at least partially to what SpaceX is right now, right? And uh, this is what we need here as well. And it makes so much sense because you really solve problems for the government uh, and, you know, it stimulates the ecosystem and it's also more customer-centric approach and also you solve the problem for them so they don't have to put all the requirements in a waterfall approach, right? And I remember a story you, you told us um, that also sometimes in an evaluation from, I don't want to name an agency here, but people wanted to tell you that it can't work like you want to do. Yeah, right? yeah, there and was a story. Was I, can, I, can, I can tell it actually, I can tell it. So there was a, there was a tender for a satellite platform, a German satellite platform for a novel remote sensing payload uh, built by uh, the the DLR here in, uh, in, in, in Adlershoek. So there's a remote sensing payload. So, and um, it was about uh, 
launching this payload to space, um, and it was exactly the size of satellite and the type of satellite which we are specializing in. Yeah. Right. So there was first a request for information, um, which we answered. Uh, this was very like positively um, accepted. There were a couple of questions back and forth. Um, and then there was an RFP uh, later. There's a little bit more to the story. Like we tried to de-risk a little bit. We tried to take uh, uh, suppliers with flight heritage because obviously we had a new platform without yeah. flight heritage, right? So, and then there was an RFP. I can tell that because all these things were openly available. Everybody could get this RFP and everybody could could uh, could could look into that, right? So no secrets here. So we should... So, we tried to participate, and the answer was no. Unfortunately, you cannot send a proposal because your company is lo- likely will not win. So we okay. we we must limit the efforts on the like on the side of the DLR because you will not win anyways, most likely. And uh, this is why you are not allowed <laughs> to send the proposal. Yes. So and why? I'm, I'm trying to find out why. Yeah, because you have no heritage. But let's face it. Why is heritage the only way to prove that your system will work in space? Yeah, especially like the heritage of the legal body and the system, exactly. not of the people behind exactly. that, right? Exactly. And we tried to argue. We tried to argue, guys. We have uh, a team which has not t- together hasn't built a satellite, but the individuals have like the accumulated experience of forty satellite missions. They said, no, we want that the uh, entity as such. As this mm. heritage, like, but guys, let's face it: at OHB or at Airbus, also there is no team which has built yeah, exactly was yeah. building yeah. satellites all the time together. Yeah, right. So it's it's completely like artificial. Okay, so in the end, um, we 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 tried to uh, to do something of, legally against that. We uh, haven't managed to and uh, forgot about the story. And then uh, recently, I heard uh, that. That they they have uh, cancelled the project, no, uh, because most likely they simply don't have enough money to um, to afford one of the proposed solutions, yeah. classic space solutions. But when arguing against our solutions, they said the payload is too important, so that we can risk flying it on a new space platform. Now they end up not flying it at all, yeah. right? And this is also not a solution. Right, so to to finalize, there's this, no cost benefit analysis, yeah, is, right? So uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's, that's totally that's totally we have ridiculous. A very low risk on a thing which will never fly. <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is crazy. We could go way deeper into that subject, and and maybe maybe a couple of follow up questions will follow. But you you've mentioned that you're based here in Berlin, right? But you also just mentioned that you have a branch office in Munich. Why did you build up your branch office in Munich? Yeah, so I mentioned the governmental funding. This is problematic, right? But there is also in Germany because it's a federal republic. There is also like funding from from the federal state, from the states, yeah, from the individual states. And uh, in Bavaria, we had from the very beginning much more support, um, more on the um, on the like infrastructural job creation side of things. I would not say that it's uh, necessarily. Yeah linked to space all of it but it's definitely much more than in in, in berlin and in addition what well, our whole ecosystem is there right so we we have a lot of a- allies friends investors 
from the Munich uh, Munich ecosystem, including Alpine Space Ventures, but also uh, other investors like Bavaria Capital, uh, which invested in us, and the family offices located there, which invested in us. Partners like IABG, like Isar uh, uh, Aerospace, Medarik, uh, yeah. and others, right? Yeah. So um, from that perspective, it was just logical, right? And also, uh, production facilities are easier to find there, easier yeah. to build there. A lot uh, of space. A lot of space. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a better infrastructure. Um, and Berlin is, Berlin is certainly is a much more attractive place to find software developers. Yeah. Right? Mm. And uh, this is why we always will have our development here, right? Uh, but in terms of uh, industrial production of satellites, uh, so it's like uh, like in the US where you have like your software developers in the Bay Area and then the factories in, in China or in <laughs> Alabama. No, I mean in space now, right? So the space. Yeah. But so everyone laughed at Zuda's Bavaria one, but seems like it's becoming a reality. Maybe thanks to you. Maybe it flies. One of your satellites will called be will be called Bavaria just put one. A stick on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, there were there were discussions, but I'm not sure if Suder even remembers that he started this. But uh, he for sure will once something happens, once something yeah. positive happens. And and it's crazy, right? You mentioned back then in the very early days before people talked about new space. Berlin was the was the spot to be for small sets. And I, I'm surprised how fast uh, Bavaria, just with the governmental support, yeah. attracts all the companies. Because you're not the only one, and um, I think it's a really, really smart move. Yeah. But let, let, let me tell you one thing. I met with, uh, like, a year ago or so, with Kai, Kai, Kai Wigner here, the new uh, major of, of Berlin. Uh, and um, we talked briefly, and he was not even aware that satellites are being built in Berlin. Yeah. Right? So, and... Uh, I really believe that that's a that's a huge problem. Yeah. That's a huge problem. I think, but I I think this is absolutely true. I think also that the that the Berlin stakeholders, uh, including the Technical University of Berlin, which is like world leading in building satellites, could make so much more out of that fact, right? Maybe we cover that in a different podcast. More than twenty satellites yeah. were launched. I don't know if you know even a higher number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right. It's, it's that's it's what crazy. I told him. That's what I what I told uh, Wigner. I said you have a university here with it's like crazy which asset. is world leading. Yeah. Like, why don't you like use it? Why don't you make like uh, yeah. this is part of the image Berlin could have? Yeah. Right. But it's oh. but because we are already running out of time, but we have three or maybe four final questions. One thing is you've mentioned again, governmental support. And obviously here in Europe, especially space-wise, this France, who has a big space budget and this Germany, um, the exploration company, and we had Helen also here on the podcast, uh, made a smart move and has both roots in Germany as well as well, in France. I need to remove here a couple of remarks. Uh, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but but you're purely based here in Germany. You've mentioned also like um, uh, that you want to look at dual use applications, right? So, do you thinking also about me opening up another office in, in in France? Well, we will see how it develops. I do think that uh, that France is important. I do think that um, if we would manage to have, for example, investors from France in our company, that would potentially be even better than just having an office there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we tried. We tried with uh, a couple of funds. Uh, it hasn't worked out yet. Um, it was kind of a little bit complicated to get in touch with the CNES, for example. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I didn't feel very welcome there, like explaining my 
great ambitions as a German satellite yeah. manufacturing company. I do think that the same feelings are shared by, for example, Daniel Mesla from his aerospace, right? Yeah, regarding yeah. regarding the the French are doing much better industry politics, right? Yep. They 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 managed somehow to spread their companies into the other countries, but they also managed not to leave the not not to let the others inside, yeah. right? So it would be good, but I think uh, it's, it's more sustainable for us to plan without France, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Can uh, provide additional upside, right? Not the base case. I mean, they're doing a lot of lot of things, right? But maybe um, let, let's um, um, like wrap up a bit in the uh, ecosystem, all right? You are one of the people driving this uh, since the very early days. But what what do you think are other uh, key people mm -hmm. um, uh, driving the new space or next space <laughs> ecosystem? If, if you allow me, I would I would rather reformulated i will tell you who are not the key people <laughs> okay okay go for it <laughs> now right now it's so, getting interesting so here. so the biggest problem in the space industry is that it's full of bullshit okay right? and um we see that we see that when we uh when companies like uh spin lounge or like oh, I, God. Could, I, well, could, I could i could i could i could name yeah. others i could name others i will uh, better not do it Uh, right now, when these companies raise gigantic amounts of funding, right, on based on empty promises from from a top tier U.S. investor, yeah, based on empty, not only U.S. investors, there are <laughs> there are yeah. also other investors, right? But uh, based on empty promises, not proven by not even by physics, yeah, exactly, right? exactly. That's, not that's even by too. physics. So what happens then? Like these people are hyped. Right. Yeah. This are these people where the politicians shake hands and make selfies, right, and and which are then everywhere, right, in the media. And um, what happens when these companies fail, right? The politicians who were shaking hands will never shake hands with another new space entrepreneur yeah. because they do not differentiate. They do not differentiate between bullshit and substance. Yeah. Right. So many of the people who are currently hyped in the European industry are like that, right? So and I would really suggest to think about physics, to think about the substance behind the business model, and to think about why are these people shaking hands with the politicians? Is that because this company has... Uh, achieved something engineering-wise, or is that because of other reasons, right? And maybe, yeah. maybe, 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 maybe try to to look for other um, examples, right? Yeah. There is for a politician no difference between planet and set revolution, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> we we and could. This is gigantic problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do a special episode like talking about only these things. I guess. So, uh, yeah. There are people, there are doers, like there are doers, like Dulan, whom I mentioned, right? Like Daniel Metzler, who like shaped a like a amazing company, like out of huh. out of uh, of nothing, actually, right? Nothing, in, uh, which 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 was in, still driving this old Polo. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like, these are the people uh, who are doing real stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I think these are the ones to 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 follow. Nice, yeah. So let's um, look a bit into the future. Is our our last uh, um, question on the on the on the on a new space today? Uh, what are the most exciting trends uh, for the coming years you see or you forecast? I I understood it's not the spin launch. 
It's definitely not spin loans, right? So, oh, I guess the future has a lot, a lot for us, right? We we are seeing this uh, uh, generative AI revolution right now everywhere, and I think it will have a tremendous impact on the way how satellites are developed, right? Not not on how satellites work in space and not so much at least, right? But on yeah. the way they are developed, right? And the way software is written, on the way uh, structures are being built, on the way the, the, the day-to-day engineering is happening. And I think this is an exciting moment, right? And uh, it can become a real equalizer for the whole ecosystem, right? And uh, it will be a challenge for us to 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 have like, to 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 keep our competitive edge when everybody will be able to use these new tools yeah. no. very soon. So it's a challenging but very, very interesting moment to to to, to be in, right? Uh, yeah, we internally also see it like adopt or die, right? So we like very early already, we made hackathons to utilize these new technologies just to stay ahead yeah, of the I competition. Also think Actually, so. this is how you can cr- use it as tailwind, right? Yeah. So really, And then the other big thing is Starship, yeah, right? Sure. Starship will change everything. Yeah. Starship will change like the way we for equation. Being... Yeah, absolutely. I I have visited a nice company in uh, in uh, in LA recently. K two Space. I don't know if you read about them. No. K two Space uh, is like building gigantic satellites, gigantic like multiple like tens of tons okay. Starship compatible satellites. Nice. So uh, we can finally so put our. You can um, just put everything yeah. there. So we, you did just there is no there is no mass anymore as as a boundary condition, yeah. right? It's, it's a gigantic spaceships. Yeah. So so that's where life you puts in a Hubble telescope in the uh, geostationary orbit to have real Easy. time life Easy. observation. Easy. Yeah. From mass constraints to yeah. mass abundance. That's that, what they that, that was not an announcement. Yeah. That was more like a joke, but maybe a maybe not. So I, I, these all things are coming. Right, and I, I absolutely believe that in ten years the whole industry will look completely different than it looks today. Also in Germany, yeah, right, and we can yeah. be part of it. So we should have another podcast, maybe not in ten years, maybe in two years, to see exactly how your first launches have gone and and where we're standing then in terms of ecosystem development. So final question, which we always ask our guests, is who should we have next on the podcast? I really would suggest that you you guys talk to Bulent Bulent Altan, yeah. Because he definitely taught me a lot of stuff and he is also a very nice person to talk to. Also very funny, by the way. Excellent. Well, then uh, we know uh, who we should have on and who we hopefully will have on, thanks to your intro. Um, and thank you very much, Walter. I think this was really, really interesting. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again. And um, is there anywhere where people should follow you online? Well, it's mostly LinkedIn right yeah. now. And um I will, I will, I will do my best to extend a little bit the amount <laughs> of posting there in the coming future. Amazing! So thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you 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 are. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, you tune in th- uh, the next time. And a lot of job offers on your website. I just checked it. Yeah. So very cool for space engineers. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Move that. Check it out. Bye bye. Thanks. Alright, uh, liftoff and the clock is started. Roger, Roger. Perfect, the angle has landed. We choose to go to the moon in this lift off. We have a liftoff.